something happened last weekend. I put it on Facebook. I also put it, I wrote an article for my blog about what happened to me personally. I was uh, on the way back from Atlanta. Some of you, I mentioned it. I didn't go into detail in any service, but I did mention it, and I told the men about it on Tuesday morning, I think. But nonetheless, this past, no, I didn't say it Tuesday morning either. Anyway, uh, I want to recap what happened because there's a principle I live by. Any, if you know me very well, I'm, I'm a pragmatist. I do what works, and in my personal life, I try to uh, take advantage of, I know I'm strange maybe, but I, I don't like to waste time. I like to do what works, you know, so um, that's just the way I am. And, and with my life with God, I want to do what works. So I read the Word a certain way, I pray a certain way, and, you know, I've been walking with God. Um, this is my 46th year. Is that right? So, yeah, yeah, 46 years. It's a long time, isn't it? Yeah, I know. But uh, it's working, and it's been working, and it's like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. So over the years, there's some things I've cut off, some things I've turned on, some things I quit, some things I started. But what I'm doing tonight, I started this about 32 um, years ago, started doing certain things. And I'll give you some personal anecdotes after, at the end because I want to read some scripture. And I'll, I'm going to start with the incident last week which spawned me wanting to share. I want to talk about taking advantage of angelic assistance that is available. Most people have no clue. Most Americans have zero clue. Most believers have no clue. So I've got several anecdotes I'll mention, but I want to start with this one. I was on the way back again. Uh, so some of you have read this. I'm going to go through this quickly. Um, I was in Atlanta for a leadership meeting. I was on the way back. I drove there. So I, wanted some, I wanted some free think time, so I drove, and I was by myself. Susan couldn't go. So anyway, on the way back on, um, on um, uh, Tuesday, uh, Atlanta traffic is nuts, and we try to get out of town quickly, you know. So we're on 85, I'm on 85. And uh, uh, so I was sitting in the parking lot of the place where we had the leadership meeting. I was sitting there in my truck and letting it cool off because it's really hot. And uh, so I was praying, you know, I always pray before we're on a trip. And, uh, and then I found myself praying uh, something I don't normally say, and, and it kind of piqued my attention and I, because I said, now, Lord, uh, I believe the angels of God are going ahead of me and, and will, will cause me to be safe all the way home. I always do that because people are nuts the way to drive today. So I did that. But then I said, I said, and Lord, I thank you that there will not be a scratch. I never say that. There will not be a scratch on me or my, my nice big red truck. Not one. I'm in it. And I said, that's weird when I say that. So, I, you know, I took off, turned left at the red light, and here we go on I-85. Two hours into the, two hours into the trip, I'm in the middle of a seven-car wreck. So seven cars <coughs> were involved, and, you know, I-85, there's lots of construction, and there are barriers, concrete barriers on either side of the road, and it's really nuts. Uh, I think the speed limit's supposed to be 60, but everybody's doing 75, 80, you know they are. Then I'm in the left lane because, you know, I'm a cruise and, uh, you know, I'm trying to keep up with traffic. I was probably doing 65 or so, honestly, probably. Maybe a little, maybe a little more. Anyway, so I'm minding my business. I try to keep distance. But I looked up, and y'all, before you can say scat, pow, uh, the, uh, there was a, a, a gray Honda Odyssey van. Uh, I just was, you know, how you're just driving and thinking and, you know, I'm uh, listening to music or I'm listening to teaching a lot. Uh, and, and, you know, I just happened to look and, and the back of the van's up off the ground and, and, a, and a black uh, Toyota Tacoma truck had hit it on the back. I don't know what happened, but I can tell you 
that left the front bumper of the Tacoma in the back of that back of that van, and it slammed against the barrier. And y'all, it happened so fast. All I, I found myself slamming on my brake uh, with an intuitive knowing, I'm gonna hit that. If I know something don't happen, I'm gonna hit that car. I'm gonna hit that thing. And y'all, just before I hit it, I stopped. But then I looked in my rearview mirror, and here's an 18 wheeler coming down on me, y'all. It made my belly feel funny. It's like, I cannot get out of this. I wanted to hit the gas and take off, you know, but I couldn't because I couldn't see around. I was in the left lane, and there's three lanes. I couldn't see the center lane, so I just, oh, God. I just said, oh, God. And, uh, y'all, that truck, I don't know how on earth, but just before it hit me, it stopped. And, you know, the truth is I wept because I really thought it was done. And it was going pretty fast, and so I got out once. And then once that happened, I looked in my, yeah, my rearview mirror, side mirror, and, and here behind the truck, cars are hitting each other. Bam, bam, bam. Oh, oh, oh. oh you know, you're thinking, are they going to push the truck into me? Is somebody going to come around hitting? What's going on? So once all that finished, I got out of my truck and, um, and um, uh, looked at the guy in front of me, and he was... Uh, he was addled, and, and he had actually had just had surgery. And I think, I think, I can't prove it, but I think, I think he was on some kind of pain medication, and he might be the reason that all that happened. So anyway, because he wouldn't, could, didn't know how to roll down the window to start with, and finally, and then when I started talking to him, he was Hispanic, didn't know English, but he didn't know he was there. I'm just telling you, and I think it was more than just the accident. So anyway, that's what it is, but... We got behind us, you know, airbags were to, uh, went, out, went off on some of the cars, and people were fairly upset, and, um, and there's gas pouring on the road from a gas tank that was punctured, and, uh, you know, it's not real pleasant. Uh, but I went to the trucker, and I said, thank you so much, thank you, thank you for stopping. It was a lady, a lady driver, Hispanic lady, and she'd been driving for 14 years, and she said, uh, I said, ma'am, you're, you're a great driver. I don't know how you stopped that truck. She said, uh, she said, sir, I'm a Christian. I said, well, I am too. She said, I pray all the time. I said, I do too. And we're the only, out of the seven cars, the, we're the only two. My truck and her 18-wheeler didn't get a scratch on it. That's, that's amazing. But we're, you know, anyway, we were praying. I, I don't know if the other ones were praying, but they had scratches on their car a lot, big ones. At any rate, it was uh, really amazing. And uh, she told me, she said, I never use the, rarely use those big brakes they have on the trailers that the trucks pull but we know how, and she said, I've been trained well. But this time, this is the first time I've used it, and it worked really well. She, y'all, she left black skid marks, good Lord. And uh, I mean, I wept. I wept in her presence, and she and I were able to pray with people. Isn't that cool? So, um, and then uh, I did not listen to music, anything on the way from there home. It was another uh, four and a half hours home, and I, I, because I was just like, wow. I mean, it's just like, wow, wow, wow. Thank you, Lord. And you know, I wept a little bit, thank you, Lord, because, uh, you know, you need to be grateful when God delivers you from something. I don't, I don't take anything for granted. I've, yeah. So uh, that spawned me to just share some things. Uh, I, I pray a certain way. I do certain things a certain way. And we are living in a day, I think, of increased spiritual challenge. And um, uh, so I want to talk about angels. Revelation chapter 12, one of the guys I listen to, I listen to all kind of videos and podcasts and this and that. One of the guys I listen to mentioned that he thinks that Revelation 12, part of that may be uh, being fulfilled now in that, in that Satan is coming down in great wrath knowing he has but a short time. And, you know, demonic forces um, uh, generally occupy the airspace uh, uh, right around planet Earth and, and cover 
the atmosphere of this planet with a canopy of darkness seeking to, you know, make inroads into human behavior and such. So here's Revelation 12, uh, 7 through 12. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon that Satan. The dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now that's in, uh, that's in eternity past, before the creation of man uh, on earth, uh, Satan was in heaven. And that's what that's referred to. And uh, when he rebelled against God because of his eye problem, he wanted to usurp the throne of God. He was kicked out. And then it says, verse 10, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down, come down to you having great wrath. Uh, because he knows that he has a short time. Jesus would cast demons out of, uh, out of uh, people, and, and they would speak and say, have you come to torment us before the time for it? So evidently in the dark realm, they, they know that, that their usurping of uh, authority over the earth inhabit, uh, and its inhabitants is for, is for a period of time, and uh, Satan gained control of, uh, of the earth when Adam and Eve sinned against God and the authority that God gave Adam and Eve to, to be God's under rulers over the earth, earth was transferred to Satan. You, you've heard me talk about that quite a bit. Well, that really happened, and they know it's only a, like a lease on the earth, and one day the lease is up. When Jesus comes back, he's kicked out, so he knows that. So anyway, comes down in great wrath. Some believe that these fallen angels that are part of that hierarchy of, of darkness that covers the earth will come down from their place in the atmosphere the closer we get to the coming of Christ and, and, and the more that uh, difficulty is stirred up before Jesus comes back and, and will really uh, try to directly attack uh, the kingdom of God and the people in it, people like you and me. So uh, one guy I listen to is pretty sure that's going to be happening. and It does feel like there's more than an intenseness now than, than ever. Would you agree with that? So it's really strange. So I think about some of these things. Anyway, having said all that, we have supernatural assistance. That I want to talk to you how, how I do this. Here's what I do, Matthew 18, 18. Assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will uh, be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The Passion Translation says it this way, receive this truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be considered to be forbidden in heaven. I like that. And whatever you release on earth will uh, be considered to be released in heaven. So I generally, you know, um, this is a whole other subject and I can't get off because i got too much to say. But um, with the demonic realm, there are certain kinds of thinking, uh, depressive thoughts, negative thoughts, um, terrible thoughts, um, emotional emotional upheavals of different kinds. Sometimes you can just, I smell a rat, I smell a devil on that one, and I say, you'd foul devil, stop. Sometimes I go in a place of business, sometimes I go in a house, sometimes you go in a church and feel like, mm, what is that, that feels weird. You'd be in an atmosphere, well, they carry an atmosphere with them, so it's a big story. So I bind, you can bind. How many know you have authority to say, devil, I bind you in Jesus' name? So, you know, we all need to do that. I hope you, I hope you do that. If you never do that, then he's going, hee, 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 
And he knows he can mess with you, right? Right? So, you know, I say, devil, keep your foul, nasty, stinky, smelly mess off of me, my family, our church, our stuff, right? So just do that kind of stuff because it's really important. Um, I have a, a great book. It's called Foundations of Pentecostal Theology um, that I've had, gosh, 35 years in my library. And he said this. I want to talk about angels and how to get them to work for you. So I, I, bind, uh, I bind demonic forces, but I loose the angels of God is what I wanted to say. So, so I do that, and I'm going to show you how to do that and why. Uh, but he said this in that book, um, the prominence of angels in God's providential administration is indicated by how frequently they're mentioned in the Bible. The Old Testament refers to them 108 times, while the New Testament, it's increased, uh, mentions angels 165 times. I mean, literally, where they're helping various individuals. Uh, then there's another quote from that book that says, There are celestial beings that occupy a position distinct from God and humans, speaking of angels. They are far below the Godhead, yet they dwell in an estate above that of fallen humans. So, so there, are, there are beings, individuals, they're angels, they're not God, they're not as strong as God, they're not omniscient, they're not omnipresent, they're not as strong and powerful as God, they're not God, but, but they work for the kingdom of God, and they're, the word angelos in the New Testament means, means messenger. That's what they do, they help us. Uh, A.T. Pearson, who is a Bible scholar in his own right, says this, uh, God is the all-presiding, all-pervading, uncreated spirit. I like that. Between him and man, there lies an intermediate realm inhabited by a higher order of intelligences. Neither pure spirit like God nor so physically constituted as man. They are called angels because they appear in Scripture as messengers of God to man. So, angelos means messenger. So, again, uh, I found a verse in Arthur S. Way's translation of uh, the epistles of um, Paul and uh, the Psalms that is just off the chain I love. And Hebrews 1.14 says this, The angels, what are they but servants, spirits, who render service to God, who are hour by hour being dispatched on errands of ministration for the help of us who are destined to have salvation as a heritage. Isn't that awesome? I think I, I like that so much I want to read it again. The angels. What are they but servants, spirits who render service to God who are hour by hour being dispatched on errands of ministration for the help of us who are destined to have salvation as our heritage. So, so I like that part where it says they're being dispatched hour by hour. So, so that, that gives me the idea that they're busy. Jesus said um, the, the angels that attend to infants uh, always behold the face of of my Father in heaven, and there's no indication in Scripture that just because you age and mature that you lose your angel. They're still with you. Uh, then there's Psalm 103, verse 20. I've had several translations, but I particularly like this uh, verse, quite poignant. Uh, Psalm 103, 20, Bless the Lord, you as angels who excel in strength. Who, what says, who do his word? Heeding the voice of his word. Does that, does that seem to indicate that if I will agree with God, act in faith, and believe what God says, and say God's word out loud, that it, that, it, uh, uh, that it grabs the attention of angelic beings that are sent to help me? Could that mean that if I speak the word, that's what you say? I say it again, and they, and they do, and they move, and they act, and they help. Come on, y'all. Um, so here is the, the Living Bible. 
Uh, Psalm 103, 20 and 21. Bless the Lord, ye his mighty angels of his who carry out his orders. Listening, watch, listening for each of his commands. If you'll speak the word out of your mouth, you're not by yourself. Somebody's helping you. Yes, bless the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him constantly. Wow. Uh, New Living Translation, praise the Lord, you as angels, uh, you angels of his, you mighty creatures who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. That's so good. Darby Translation, bless Jehovah, you as angels, mighty in strength that execute his word, hearkening unto the voice of his word. See, again, if I'm speaking the word, that's why I don't let negative stuff come out my mouth. I don't care how aggravated I am. Shut up. I mean, if I literally got to uh, shut up, don't disagree with God's word, and you'll have angelic help. Do you hear me? Then God's word translation is really as God's word translation. That's what it says. I praise the Lord, all his angels, ye mighty beings who carry out his orders and are ready to obey his spoken orders. Who, who, who gives the spoken orders? When you speak the word, God watches over his word to make it good, right? Uh, um, Jeremiah one twelve says. Uh, Psalm 103, 20 and 21, the message paraphrase, so bless God. Ye as angels, uh, ready and able to fly at his bidding, quick to hear and do what he says, bless God, all you armies of angels alert to respond to whatever he wills. Isn't that good? So I don't know about you, that just, I really like that. So examples, I just want to go and read, and I just started the New Testament. So many, there's so many examples in the Bible. So I'm, I'm doing this because I want you to see these aren't just isolated incidents where there has been angelic assistance, both Old and New Testament. You can do a study of your own. It would take me several uh, Wednesdays, and maybe I can come back and follow up on this and, and we'll talk about it, but uh, to, to show you how many, how many instances in the Scriptures as you read through your Bible of, of, of angelic activity helping, helping the people of God in the kingdom of God, both Old and New Testament. Here's the New Testament, Matthew 1, 19 and 20, then Joseph, her husband, Mary's husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away or divorce her secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Wow. Saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. He was going to ditch her. And, and see, they have some kind of an ability to enter into the realm of thinking and thought and enter into the human mind with thoughts and dreams. That's incredible, really, isn't it? Then Matthew 2.13, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared, here it is, appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Wow, that, that was a tremendous word. So again, I want you to see they work through dreams, and uh, there have been times they physically appear, although they don't have to, to do what they do. Matthew 2.19 and 20, now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord, oh, here it is again, didn't I just read that? No, this is a different, yeah, uh, in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother. Go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. So again, um, there's three times dreams, Matthew 4, 11. Watch this one. This one's really interesting to me. There's one other instance of this. Then the devil left him, Jesus, after his wilderness temptations. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now, it doesn't say what they did. 
But here's what you gotta here's what you gotta know when you read that. Jesus didn't have anything available to him uh, while he walked on earth that is not available to you and me. Don't forget, he laid aside his divine power. He was the Son of God. He didn't lay aside his deity, but he laid aside his divine power. I talked about that a couple of Sundays ago, right? Or was it last Sunday? Yeah. And uh, time flies. Um, he laid it aside and he lived by the power of the Holy Spirit and lived by the word. And, and then the, and, but it says here that after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, that angel ministered to him. If an angel can minister to him, they can minister to you. Do you ever think that way? I mean, first time I read this, like, whoa, 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 whoa. If they can help him, they got to help us. Don't discount that. Then Matthew 13, 41 and 42, the Son of Man will send his angels. They will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Let's talk about when he returns and the angel, angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the angels are very active in the kingdom of God. Matthew 13, 49 and 50. So at the end of the age, the angels will come forth, separate the wicked from the just, cast them into the furnace of fire. They will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So again, angelic activity in the kingdom of God. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. So the angels will be involved with the rapture of the church because they're going to help gather all of the saints. According to Matthew 24, 29 through 31, they're going to help gather all of the saints from all over the world in the rapture of the church and we go up. It's a really incredible thing to think about. Matthew 18, 10. Y'all okay? Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who's in heaven. So, oh, there's a little baby right there. There's angels. Everywhere you see babies, there's angels. Because they never leave them and they're always beholding God's face. Isn't that cool? And because you're here and you're a believer, you have angels assigned to you. That's pretty cool. Matthew 24, 29 through 31, what I just mentioned. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, uh, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power great glory and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they'll gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So... They're going to help with the rapture of the church. Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Again, angels helping in Matthew 26, 53. Or do you th uh, think that I cannot now pray to my Father, Jesus said, and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? That's a heap of angels, all right? But, but he chose not to do that at the moment. Matthew 28, 1 through 8, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. These dudes are strong. Uh, his countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. That means they fell under God's power. Verse 5, but the angel answered and said to the women, don't be afraid. For I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I've told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb 
with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. So anytime anybody sees an angel or even a demonic force, that is called discerning of spirits, which is a spiritual gift. One of the nine mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 8, uh, 8 through 10 and even in the Old Covenant, the, um, the gift of discerning of spirits. Discern means to see, seeing in the spirit realm. Uh, with that gift, you're able to see into that realm that you normally can't see into. I've never, and I really don't want discerning of spirits. I know there's, I could tell you people in our church who have discerning of spirits. They see angels in here all the time. And sometimes they see devils that we have to run out. So, I mean, you know, it just goes with the territory. So, anyway... Um, uh, so again, uh, when they came to the tomb, the angels appeared, and that was discerning of spirits and manifestation. Luke twenty two forty one through 44, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, Jesus. And he knelt down to pray, saying, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then the angel appeared. Ah, then an angel appeared to him. Aha, uh-huh. then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Hmm. Being in agony, he prayed the more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The capillaries were right at the surface of the skin because of the intense, uh, intenseness of the emotional trauma he was undergoing. They broke and he sweat blood. So again, uh, the angels, the issue there is the an-, an angel appeared to him uh, from heaven strengthening him. What did he do? I, I don't, I'd like to know what he did. But if they can strengthen Jesus, if you're having a hard day, you got help. <laughs> Isn't that good? I love it. Acts 1, 10 and 11, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them. This is the ascension. Stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken uh, up into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So again, the angels appeared to the disciples there um, when Jesus ascended to heaven. Acts five seventeen. then the high priest rose up, and those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation, laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison door and brought them out. Wow. And said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. They can manipulate things in ways that we can't. They can cause chains to fall off, doors to open up. And if you're in prison, they can get you out if God wants you out. Is that good? Wow. Acts 8, 26, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Philip was an evangelist saying, arise. Now, an angel can speak, and, uh, you know, it gives us no information as to how Philip knew an angel spoke. But I can tell you that you can, with a little bit of effort and training, uh, you can learn where thoughts come from. Thoughts can come from without. They can come from the demonic world. They can come from other people or information you're listening to. Thoughts can also come and inserted by angelic beings. And I won't go far with this at all, but a number of times I've been in ministry since 1981. I can't tell you how I know this, but I just know. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I say things I never, ever, 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 ever think about. And a few times. Now, I never, and I don't even want to tell you now, but I can tell you, sometimes there's a dude. And when those thoughts come, there's something right there's telling me that, and I believe it's the angels of God. I don't want discerning of spirits. I don't need it. But I'm telling you, when you minister, the angels of God often help. I'm just telling you. And it's really crazy. So anyway, Philip was ministering, and an angel helped him. Uh, where was I? Yeah, arise and go south 
uh, toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is uh, desert, and he ministered to the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, Acts 10, 1 through 7, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people, prayed to God always about the ninth hour of the day. He saw clearly a vision, in a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and he observed him. He was afraid, said, what is it, Lord? He said, your prayers and alms have come up for a memorial before God. How many know God hears your prayers? Just got to know it. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname name is Peter. He's lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. He'll tell you what you must do. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants uh, and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. Acts 12, watch this one. This is really cool. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword because he saw it pleased the Jews. He proceeded further to seize, seize Peter also. Now it was, days during, it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, put him in prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers. And guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. And a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, said, Arise quickly. His chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself, tie on your sandals. So he did. And he said to him, Put on your garments and follow me. So he went out and followed him. Did not know that was done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision when they were past the first and second guard post they came to the iron gate that leads to the city which opened to them of its own accord and they went out went down the street immediately the angel disappeared wow wow and you know the story Peter went to the house knocked on the door and they wouldn't even open the door the girl saw him and uh, she was so excited to see him said Peter's outside and they were praying for Peter hey God answered their prayer uh uh, here's one, Acts 12, I won't read it. <coughs> Somehow an angel struck this uh, really haughty, arrogant leader, and uh, he was eaten of worms and died. That's a strange one right there. Talk to God about that when you get to heaven. Acts 27, 21, after long abstinence from food, Paul stood in the midst of them. Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this that disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. They're on ship, a big storm, a nor'easter uh, stirred up, and uh, looks like they weren't going to make it. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you, therefore take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me, and it was. That's amazing, isn't it? So all these instances, and then I want to end with this, uh, two scripture. Uh, the first one, Psalm 34, 7, various translations. Um, the angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him. I love that, don't you? And delivers them. Easy to read version, ERV, the Lord's angels build a camp around his followers, and he protects them. Good news translation is angels guard those who honor the Lord and rescues them from danger. The living Bible for the angel of the Lord guards and rescues all who reverence him. The message paraphrase, God's angels sets up a circle, 
God's angel sets up a circle of protection around us while we pray. New Living Translation, the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Is that cool? The voice translation, the messenger of the eternal God surrounds everyone who walks with him and is always there to protect and rescue us. Is that cool? So anyway, the notes are online. I'd get those if I were you, and I'd, I'd put them somewhere and read them a lot because I think that's cool. Uh, Psalm ninety-one, eleven, and 12 are several translations. For he shall give his angels charge over you, uh, New King James, to keep you in all your ways in their hands. They shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Contemporary English version. God will command his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will carry you in their arms and you won't uh, hurt your feet on the stones. The living Bible, for he orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will steady you with their hands to keep you from stumbling against the rocks on the trail. The voice translation, he will command his heavenly messengers to guard you, to keep you safe in every way They will hold you up in their hands so that you will not crash or fall or even graze your foot on a stone. That's pretty cool, wouldn't you say? So you can gain from these scriptures and these texts that I just read uh, that we have angelic assistance. Again, if Jesus had angelic assistance, we can expect to have angelic assistance. Again, Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth, bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth uh, is loosed in heaven. So... Uh, back 32 years ago, I was 32 years old, <laughs> and I uh, started a, a, a business in, um, and I mentioned this Sunday morning, in October of 1990 that I did not want to begin, and I call it Excellence Painting Services, and we de- redecorated really nice homes and tore all, out old wallpaper and, and, you know, painted, did all kinds of stuff on the interior homes and stuff, but... um. Uh, and got really busy. So, so when I started that uh, business, um, you know, I, I just had faith that if I could put an ad in a paper and let people see that I had a business, somebody's going to want what I do. And, and, I, and out of the blue, I started no squat diddly about painting. So I, anyway, it's a long story. I don't have time to tell you. But anyway, I fi- figured out how to do it. And, uh, and, uh, and, and at the same time, watch this. There is a book. Watch this. A little mini book. Everybody say mini book. In fact, I just downloaded it today and read it in 20 minutes. And I read this at that time because I was like desperate. like, I got to do this. God wants me to do this business stuff while I'm preaching on the weekends. And I don't want to do it, but God wants me to do it, so I'm going to do it. So I read this little book, and it's by Kenneth Hagin. It's got an odd title. The title really doesn't, to me, do the book justice. And the title, uh, anyway... The title of the book is How God Taught Me About Prosperity. It's, it's more than just about prosperity. But in the book, he talked about how the Lord spoke to him and told him to command the angels of God to go and cause the, 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 the finances to come in for his ministry because he was just, just hand-to-mouth when he first started in a traveling ministry in 1950. That's the crux of the book. And, uh, and I read that when I first started my business. I said, well, I need to do the same thing if I've got this business. Uh, we need work. I mean, if I'm going to do this thing, I need, I need people to know I got it and I need to make money. So uh, I read that. And then uh, Susan and I lived in Tulsa. Everybody okay? Y'all just looking. Y'all just looking at me. Y'all everybody okay with time? A few anecdotes. So um, the other thing, eight, we, Susan and I lived in Tulsa basically eight years after we graduated from Rama. And... Um, and then we would frequent Kenneth Hagin's meetings. He was alive during the time. And, 
and would have meetings in Tulsa, and the large numbers of people would attend those meetings, and they were really, really exciting because it was just crazy. His ministry was crazy. I mean, he was a prophet, and, you know, people were healed and ministered to. It was just you never knew what was going to happen, so, you know, people flocked. But uh, one of the times, and I heard this several times in person with Kenneth Hagin, and he would tell, I call them anecdotes, little stories. He would tell them all the time, and uh, he told them all of his life. And, and when he went to the grave, they went to the grave. But I just loved listening to him. One of them was, uh, it was the early 60s, like 1962, and he had a really strange thing happen. He said he was praying in a church. I'm, I'm talking about my business and how I pray, okay? And I'm talking about angels. I want to talk to you about what angels will do. They will help you in your life. This is where I got this from. So listen. So he said, uh, and I heard him say this, I don't know, so many times in person. He said 1962, he was praying in a church. He had a meeting in a church. And he was praying over finances, yada, yada, yada. And then uh, some businessmen had come to him and said, now, uh, Brother Hagan said, uh, your ministry's growing. You need an office away from your home. And here's what we'll do. My, my business partners and I, this guy said, uh, we want to give you so many thousands of dollars uh, to set up your, bi- your ministry. That is, you can rent a building. We'll rent, you can buy the office equipment. We'll it, have a secretary. We'll pay the secretary's salary. And we'll pay the monthly obligations of setting you up in an office away from your home because your ministry's growing. You need the help, yada, yada. And it was really, really appealing to him. It was quite a bit of money uh, to set up the, 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 the uh, business part of his ministry and have somebody help him. And so he was considering that. And, and they had come to him. So he's at a church praying, and he was kneeling down before a service praying. I guess he had an afternoon to pray and such before a, a night meeting. And he said while he was praying, he looked up, and here's an angel. In fact, he said Jesus appeared to him. And here's Jesus right here. Now, he, had, he operated in a prophet's ministry before you get spooky on me. And he had discerning of spirits come in manifestation in his ministry. That means he would see in the spirit realm. He's got a book called, I believe, in Visions, where eight times in the 1950s, Jesus appeared to him. Well, this was 1962. Jesus is right here. And here's what he said. And I heard him say this. I can just tell you, because I heard it so many times. He said, Jesus is right here in front of him. He's, he's at the altar praying, kneeling down. He looked up, and there's Jesus. He looked right beside Jesus. is this great big angel. He said the thing looked like he's about nine feet tall. And he said he looked at Jesus. And, uh, and then he looked at, and when he looked at the angel, he said the angel was standing there, you know, just kind of like in attention. And he said when he looked at him, the angel would go, and it, he would become animated and move like he was going to say something. But when then he looked back at Jesus, the angel would just, then he'd look back at the angel, and the angel would become animated again and start like he was going to say something. But when he looked back at Jesus, and then Brother Higgins said he looked at Jesus, and not now, and Jesus said, I've come here to talk to you. And this angel beside me has a message to, uh, for you from the throne of God that you need to hear. And Brother Hagin said, no, the angel does? You don't have a message? And Jesus said, no, God has sent an angel from his throne to you to talk to you about your ministry and, and what you're about to do. And Brother Hagin said, well, Jesus, you're here. Why, why can't you tell me? And Jesus said, because God dispatched the angel to tell you. And he said, I can't believe that. And you just have to know Brother Hagin. He said, I can't believe that. And then Jesus had to talk to him about the scriptures where angels were dispatched with messages and this and that and the other. And, uh, and, then, uh, and then Jesus finally said, now he's got a message for you. You need to listen to him. So when he looked at the angel, the angel standing up, and the angel said, I have been sent 
from the presence of Almighty God to tell you, don't take the money from the businessmen because they have ulterior motives and will seek to control your ministry. And they said, by such, they gave an exact date, by such and such a date, you will have so many thousands of dollars. And he said, you will be able to set up your own ministry without receiving money from them. And that was it. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, anyway, then Jesus said, don't ever pray for money the way you've been praying for it before. And he had said this to him before, but he reiterated it again. He said, claim whatever you need in your ministry in my name, in the name of Jesus, and say, ministering spirits, go and cause the money to come. And then Jesus said, people have, and and I missed this part, but before the angel spoke to him, he said, who is this dude? Kenneth Hagin said to Jesus, who is this dude? He said, that's your angel. He said, my angel. He said, that's your angel. He's nine foot tall, it looked like. Yes, my, yeah, he's with you all the time. And then he told him what he said, and then at the end he said, most people, their angels aren't doing anything because they never give them an ability to do it. Isn't that something? Now, I read that little book I told you about, and, and there's another segment of, of that kind of stuff from 1950 where a similar kind of a thing happened. Even though an angel didn't appear to him, the Lord spoke to him about the same kind of thing. So I took from that, listen to what I did. So I started this business in October of, uh, of uh, 1990. I was 32 years old. Uh, Sarah was a little, little girly, and uh, we had three children. Lindsay wasn't born yet, my last one. And, um, and I was traveling on the weekends preaching, and, and I started, God told me to start this little business. So, so I put an ad in the paper, and here's what, listen to this. It, y'all, I can't believe what happened. I, I said, now, Lord, I got that ad in the paper. I got my business going. I'm ready to go. I know what to do. And uh, in the name of Jesus, here's what I said. Angels of God, I command you to go. Cause people to see my ad. And cause people to call me about my business. And cause me to become busy. Y'all, y'all, y'all. You know, first day nothing happened. Second day nothing happened. Third day nothing happened. When nothing happens, you act like it's happening. And you're as happy as you would be as if it was happening. That's called F-A-I-T-H, faith. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive, you'll have, right? Now, I did that. And I mean, I got up in the morning at 5 o'clock before my kids get up. You're smart as a parent. If you want to wait on God, get up before your kids do. I get up before 30, give me a cup of coffee. I pray and read and pray and all that. And then the kids get up, I want some breakfast. And we have to do all that. So every morning, I mean, here you go. Day after I prayed, angels of God go. Uh, nothing happened. The phone didn't ring the day after that, nor the day after that, nor the day after that. But I got up every morning, and it was the era, it was the time. I would put on a three-piece suit at 5 o'clock in the morning and act like I'm working in the office of my business. And I also had a ministry on the weekends. So if you ain't busy, act like you are. Think like you are. Think like you're blessed. Think like God's doing stuff. And it'll keep you out of the mully grubs, out of the out of the mud, all right? And so, uh, but you know what happened? The phone started ringing. Hello? Oh, yeah, I can come and say, oh, I can give you an estimate. And uh, so anyway, uh, the business took off. And people started calling me because the angels caused them to see my ad in the paper. 
See, the natural, God will pour his super on your natural and give you a supernatural event. But if you ain't got no natural, he has nothing to pour it on. So you get to get yourself busy. God can't do everything he expects you to help, right? Yeah, some people need to learn that. Anyway, uh, fast forward, that's October of 1990. By May of 1991, I'm in Waycross, Georgia. I mentioned this Sunday morning. I'm in Waycross, Georgia. I've been there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night. This is maybe Monday night. I'm getting ready to go preach that night in this church in Waycross, Georgia. And, um, and Susan calls me. Susan's at home with all the kids. Uh, she would say, Mitch, I'm home with your kids. I said, that's good. <laughs> that's real good. And uh, all you, all you uh, mamas know what I mean, right? What she meant. <laughs> Get yourself home and help me. And uh, anyway, uh, she said, Mitch, I, I just thought you'd like to know. Now, you got to know the error. There was no internet, none of that. So I typed out all my estimates by hand. I stayed up after midnight most nights doing that. And I did estimates, and, and most, if you ever had hired a painter, a painter will come to your house, look at the exterior interior, say, yeah, look at it, say, look how many openings, one, two, three, four, five, ten, you know, doors, windows, walls. So I'll do this, I'll do this job for such and such, and write it on a piece of paper. Well, there's no math to that. He's just looking, figure out how much time. But I did it different. I did linear foot, square foot, and opening, and I put a price on it. And, uh, you know, uh, 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 500 linear feet times so much per foot. And that include paint. And, man, that just, y'all, people said, I like that. So, anyway, Susan called me and said, Mitch, uh, you got 12, you got 12 uh, contracts accepted. And it was me doing all the work. So, Jesus, I got, so I hired somebody, hired somebody else, hired somebody else. Rest is history now. When I left South Carolina to come here to preach, I, I gave that business away. The person I gave the business to, they got, they got real blessed. I would just say they got stinking blessed. And I thought, man, I'd like to have, be blessed like that. But God called me here, and I'm blessed. Right, so, so I started, and then when I came here, when I came here, uh, uh, there were uh, 49 voting members. Reb and Judy were here. Several others were here, um, and um, so and 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 I think the church brought in uh, hundred thousand dollars a year, and then they they want to pay me. It's like I got I got four kids, help, <laughs> you know, and so uh, I'm just gonna tell you what I did. I uh, I said, uh, okay, Lord, you want me to come in? I came and I was here, and. Uh, and so I, the church took in a certain amount, just a few thousand dollars a week. And I said, now, uh, we got to change that. I said, Lord, it looks like we need, to, we need more coming in. So when I first came here, they had $1,800 a week come into the church. I said, Lord, we, we got to have a little more than that if they're going to pay me help. We got to do something. So I started saying, Lord, I ask you for $2,500 a week. Then I said, angels of God, I command you to go and cause the financiers to come. That didn't happen the first week, second week, third week. But you know what? The week came. In the not-too-distant future, $2,500 started coming. I said, well, looky there, looky, looky, looky. So I upped the ante to three, and then 3500 then four, then five, then six, and then whatever we're doing today. Does that make sense? Now, I've been doing that for a long time, so... Uh, I do. The, I command the angels of God to surround my children, my grandchildren. Uh, I had a really awful incident. I can't even talk about it. 
I've had some incidents with my grandchildren where they've fallen into water and are face down, and they're fine because the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him and deliver them. Do you hear me? So I command these angels to go at all times. Anytime I'm traveling, you better know it. I've been on 40-something missions trips, spent over a year in days on, in other countries in weird environments that are spooky with critters everywhere and, and creatures looking at you at night with these gauging eyes. You can see them. It's like, who are you? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I, ignorance is bliss. I don't want to know who you are. Up in the ceiling looking at me at night. But, you know, I'm just telling you that the angels of God help you. And uh, I've been in some pretty hairy situations, but I can tell you the angels of God want to help you. How many hear me? I live this way, y'all. So practically speaking, now I do this all the time, and this is re- I know you might think this is strange. I really couldn't. I don't care what you think because I live this way. Um, for, I'll give you a few for instances. Y'all okay? Uh, I got these really expensive earbuds I wear when I ride my bike on the Noose River Trail. They're several hundred dollars. They're not cheap. They have a built-in program that reads your heart rate from your ear. No kidding. And then they also can record your distance with GPS technology. And it's all on my ear, so they're kind of expensive, and I don't want to lose them. And I also listen to teachings when I'm riding my bike long distances, 30, 40 miles or whatever, so I'm not wasting my mental time because I get bored fast. That's just the way it is. So, so I'm tooling around. And one day here I am riding my bike, and I've had this happen numbers of times. And one of those big expensive earbuds fall out of my ear and fall on the trail. And it's little, and you can't find it. And, man, I was like, oh, Jesus, Father, help me. Lord, help me. Get off my bike, you know. I'm looking around, and, uh, and here's when I, and, and I look around until I exhaust all my efforts. I'm like, <sighs> and then I say, angels of God, I can't do this myself. Help me find I promise you, it's not 30 seconds. I just look, and there it is. Do you know how many times I've had that happen? A bunch. Oh, uh, six, seven months ago, I've got a pressure washer. I'm just a practical guy. I like to wash my fences at home and stuff. And uh, my pressure washer messed up, and I had to take it apart. So, you know, I like to do that kind of stuff. I'm a techie kind of guy. And so, I've, I've, you know, I've got to take this nut off this bolt, and it's been on there a long time, and then heat has helped it seize to the other pieces of metal, and it ain't about to come off, so I got my wrench, and it's like, hmm, come on, hmm, hmm, and I can't get it off, and, you know, I've wasted about 15 minutes. It's like, man, I ain't got long to work on this thing, you know. So, so finally, I kick back, and I say, no, angels of God, I need some help. I humble myself. Lord, I humble myself. I need help. I can't do this. I don't have a lot of time. Help me. I promise. Put the wrench back on there, and I'll take it right off. Do you know how many times I've done, and, and, and anything else like that? It's just incredible to me, incredible to me. Um, I do it all the time, and, and I'm just trying to give you some small, simple, crazy-sounding anecdotes to let you know that. I just ask him to help me all the time. Before I preach, the angels God, I don't know how you do what you do, but go do it. And help people, you know, just help people. Help us, minister to us. And it's just amazing what they do. Did you hear me? So we're living in a day that the devil's working overtime and everybody's upset. But you have every reason to expect God to meet every need in your life until Jesus comes back to take you home. Did you hear what I just said? Quit barking about the gas prices. Quit barking about the price of chicken and beef. Quit barking about what ain't on the, tr- on the shelf. 
and start asking God to provide what you need and look for his direction. When you do that, bless the Lord ye his angels which excel in strength who hearken to the voice of his word. And you'll find a sale here and you'll find some stuff over here and you'll have the money to buy the gas. I don't care if gas is $20 a gallon. I'm gonna put it in that red truck of mine and go where I need to go. Yes or no? So quit whining and bellyaching. God does not respond to whining. And God does not respond to aggravation and frustration, but he does respond to simple faith. And faith is more than this nebulous stuff. Bloop, 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 bloop. I got faith. Bloop, bloop. No, faith comes out your mouth with your words. Don't say what you don't want. So with my, with my finances, with our ministry here, with our new building, I got sometimes I've had to, I had, sometimes about how to take my shoe off and stick it in my mouth. Shut up, shut up. Say what God says about you. Did you hear what I just said? Don't be, don't be whining about your body getting older and, well, I got this ache over here. Got, shut up. Say what God said. You know what I say about my body? I say it every day. And I don't know how they do, and I don't know if the angels are helping me, but I know God's helping me. I say every cell of my body is being rejuvenated by the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. He's quickening me, Romans 8, 11, by the way. And then I say every day, every, I said it this morning, every day every cell of my body is helped. Every, every system of body, you got systems in your body, and every organ of my body functions the way God created it to function and will do so until I vacate this body when I'm satisfied with life. With long life will I satisfy him, right? I have a sound mind, I have a free mind, I have a clear mind. My joints work, my muscles work, my brain works, my heart works, my blood's healthy. everything's good working. I got teeth in my mouth and God's good, right? So say what you want because the angels hearken to the voice of his word. If you'll put your voice to God's word, the angels of God will help you. Is that good news? So when you get in a pickle, start talking and say what God says about you. Is that fair? Is that good? So have I given you enough? Stand up. Stand, just stand up. Stand up. Lift your hands up with me. Come on. Did you get something out of it? Is that enough to help? Come on, lift your hands up. Father, we just bless you. We're never by ourselves. We're never alone. We always have the Holy Spirit in us. The, 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 the kingdom of heaven is surrounding us at all times. We're part of the kingdom of God. And Lord, there are angels in this room because there are people in this room. And all of us have Guardian angels, they're with us all the time. Now, now we're never to worship them, and we don't, but Lord, we thank, you for the, we thank you for the help afforded to us by the kingdom of God. Ha, <laughs> ha, So you say it out loud with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that I'm in Christ Jesus, and Christ Jesus is in me. In fact, my position is that I am seated with Jesus in heavenly places far above all of the demonic worlds, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. 
I have authority over them. I've been delivered from the authority of darkness, translated into the kingdom of your dear son. Thank you, Lord, that the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him and delivers them. The angels of God surround me, surround my family, surround my spouse, my children, and if I have them, grandchildren. Everything about me is protected. I'm watched over. I'm cared for by God Almighty. I'm in the kingdom of God. But my God will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My physical body functions the way that God designed it to function. I'm healthy. Every cell of my body is invigorated by the Holy Spirit, by the very life of God. Every system of my body functions the way it was designed. Every organ of my body functions the way it was designed. All my joints work. All my digits work. All my muscles work. I'm blessed. I'm healthy. I'm strong as my years so will my strength be. Thank you, Lord, that you're renewing my strength every single day. I have the ability to do everything that you have called me to do because I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm in the family of God. And I am so thankful to you for all of your goodness. Angels of God, I command you to go and put me where I need to be to be able to buy everything I need to buy for my family, provide for us, regardless of what is coming on the world. May the provision be available for every member of my family in the name of Jesus. May I always have enough food, have enough clothing, have enough shelter, have enough gas, have enough of everything I need because I'm in the kingdom of God. But my God does supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When I put my head on the pillow, I rest at night because he gives his beloved sleep and the angels of God surround me. On my way home tonight, the angels of God are around me. When I'm taking a walk, the angels of God surround me. When I'm working, the angels of God surround me. When I'm doing everything I do, they surround me and they help me. And I give you thanks. I'm bought with a price. I am not my own. I'm giving my heart to Jesus. I'm his. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things are being added to me. And I just thank you, sir, in Jesus' name. Woohoo! Isn't that awesome? Now I do this too. So maybe you should say this. Satan, I bind you. I command every demon spirit that has any assignment against me, against my spouse if I'm married, against my children if I have them, against my grandchildren. Keep your hands off of my family. You have no rights. I'm in the kingdom of God. I've been delivered from you. And I'm free. And Lord, I give you thanks. 
in Jesus' name. Isn't that awesome? Woo-wee. Now, you know, how many people do you know that live that way? You ought to know at least one. That should be you. Is that right? So start today. I do this every day, y'all. It's like, it's like the back of my hand. It just lives with me all the time. Right? So how many know you're blessed? So listen, we're going to, listen, I, I listen to all kinds of, we're going into a really weird time. But you see, you've got the kingdom of God watching your back. And you've got to know that. I mean, I'm listening to some pretty freaky stuff. And it looks like some pretty freaky stuff is ahead. But you know what? I'm not afraid of it at all. Because we're in the kingdom of God. Is that good? I don't care how young you are or how old you are. How smart you are or unsmart you is. (laughs) You're going to be all right if you'll say what God says.